Welcome, everyone, to Awaken the Possibilities podcast. I'm your host, Terry Wildeman, and I'm thrilled to be here today with a fabulous, fabulous guest, Chris Thompson. And before we get in there, I want to wish all of you a phenomenal 2020. This is our first podcast for the year, and it's exciting to have someone like Chris with us because he's going to be sharing some very different but very clear and wonderful insights to help us get our 2020 to where we want it to be. So a little bit about Chris. Chris has worked as a lawyer, an economist, a sinologist, which I'm going to ask you to explain in a little bit, because I don't think a lot of people really know what that is, and more recently as a psychotherapist, course leader, writer, and director of think tanks in Scotland and New Mexico. Welcome to the show, Chris. I'm so glad that you're many, here. Many thanks and details. Nice to be here. So what is a sinologist? Sinologist is someone who studies China. China? Um, the, the background is in the 60s, I did a degree in Chinese and economics. And after a short spell working in a bank, the Bank of England, I decided to go back, or rather I was persuaded to go back to the university to do my doctorate. And I did it in the development of scientific Chinese. If you don't know what that means, it means the vocabulary in Chinese for the sciences, like chemistry or mathematics or medicine. Okay. Wow. So that's what I did. So in, in that sense, I'm a sinologist. Excellent. Wow, that's, that's really cool. That is, I, haven't had, I haven't had anybody on any of my shows. This is my third uh, podcast series who has had anything to do with China or the study of China and here we are I'm really glad to hear that because uh, it makes it very eclectic thank you so much so one of the things we're going to be talking about today is the cosmos so when you say the cosmos Chris can you tell us what you mean about that well it's just another word as you know Terry for the universe okay it's the Greek word for the universe, cosmos, I think spelled with a K. Um, and it's used interchangeably quite often. Many scientists use it. If you remember Carl Sagan, quite a few years ago, did a, did a big TV series on the cosmos. So scientists are quite accustomed to using the term. But when I use the term, I tend to mean something more than the physical universe, okay? So I, I tend to mean more than the thing that scientists study. So if the universe has a spiritual dimension or dimensions, that's what I mean by the cosmos. So it's both physical and non-physical. It's both material and spiritual. That's my understanding of the cosmos. So knowing that this is a show about business and about life, how do you connect? your work with the cosmos and business? Well, it's an interesting question. I'm going to have to think on my feet as I answer, so bear with me, okay? This is not a fully formed answer. A, so business is business, and business has to make money and make a profit and all that, okay? Apart from that, business is like everything else in this world. It's, it's, it has to you know, live in the world as part of the world. 
Um, and in a way, it has to recognize the rules of the world. What do I mean by that? Um, when I go back to what I just said about the cosmos a moment ago, okay, that it has material and spiritual aspects, I do believe very strongly that the cosmos influences all of us uh, in more ways that we, than we can imagine. Mm -hmm. I'm not just talking about the fact that cosmic rays hit the surface of the planet. I'm not just talking about the fact that we rely on the sun for everything, for our lives. I'm talking about more than that. And I'm not talking specifically about things like astrology. So I, I don't just mean that, okay? I, I really do mean that we are children of the cosmos. Um, and that in a way we reflect it, okay? But, but because we are part of it, in some quite deep sense, we resemble the cosmos. Uh, and, and that means, and this is, this is a strange thing to say, that the cosmos resembles us, okay? Of course it does, no, it, um, I agree with And you of course, that, 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 that's a big discussion that we could spend a year and a day just talking about that alone, I realize that. So all I'm saying is, it's a bit like um, climate change, okay? So, to be fair to business, most companies have woken up to the fact that the climate is changing dangerously, okay? So that's now on everyone's agenda. It's taken time, but it's finally happened. So climate change may be the most important issue of our time. Um, and that's a recognition that our actions have consequences, okay? Um, and if you apply that to business, I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but I think it's worth stating that all businesses' actions have consequences. The, the, the wise people in business, the good business leaders, they know that. They're, they're very familiar with that. You don't have to tell them that. But there are many people in business who still really haven't grasped that fact that everything they do has consequences, okay? Not just on the people who work for them, not just on their customers and clients, but on the whole world around them. In the case of very big businesses like Exxon, that's very obvious. The case of Google, for example, or Facebook is equally obvious, okay? Mm -hmm. But it applies to any business, regardless of its size, regardless of its nature. It has consequences, okay? So when I use the term cosmos, um, I'm kind of extrapolating out, if you like, that everything we do affects the cosmos, okay? And that bounces back on us, that reflects back on us. And all I'm saying to you is the more aware we are of that fact that the universe is reflexive, kind of reflects back on us, um, I think the more useful and, how can I put it, harmonious our lives will be. I don't like to preach, I don't like to preach, and I may have come across as preaching, but I do believe that. Okay, so knowing that, um, and, and climate change is a huge, huge, huge topic, um, knowing, and, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, um, especially where the cosmos is concerned and climate change, how much of this, yes, we have contributed, yes, we have, there are consequences, 
consequences based on the things that we have done. But how much of it also is a natural evolution of our Earth warming? I mean, we are contributing to it. There's no doubt about it. But how much of it is an, also a natural cycle? And how does that play in with the cosmos? The short answer is no one really knows the answer to that question. Okay. It's very difficult to separate out the effect we're having, the human race, from natural cycles, okay? And people who don't like to accept climate change, they tend to adopt that argument. Uh, but regardless of that, regardless of the fact that we can't be sure of that, it's still very clear that you know we're making a big impact on the planet. Yes. And the climate. It's not just the climate. I mean, I did a bit of research on this a year or so ago, and I discovered something called life support systems. Okay, it's a technical term. And there are about eight or nine of them, including water, uh, biodiversity, things like that. Okay, mm -hmm. um, And it, it turns out that all the planet's life support systems, all of them, are in serious decline, and yeah. just to complete that, and just to complete that sentence, they're in serious decline because of human activity. Because of what? So even, that human activity, our normal daily activity. This, this isn't about we human beings doing something special mm -hmm. to destroy the planet. This is our normal daily lives that are causing this. So if you drive a car, you're going to cause some problems, okay? If you fly in a plane, you're going to cause some problems. If you have air conditioning, for example, or central heating, you're going to cause some problems, okay? At an individual level, it's not very much. Of course it's not. Um, but at a collective level, it is very large indeed. But that's not to say you, that's not to say we can solve that easily. It's not, it's not to say that people will suddenly give up their car or suddenly give up flying or air conditioning. They won't, okay, they won't. But at least there's a widespread recognition that something big has to change. Got it. So I'm curious, Chris, you say that you're director of a think tank in Scotland and in New Mexico. Can you tell us more about the think tank, please? That was a long time ago. So the first ah. one was the first one was in Scotland, um, and it was set up about twenty years ago at a time, at a moment when Scotland regained some self-control. Okay, so the Scottish Parliament reopened after a gap of about three hundred years. That was in nineteen ninety-nine. It was called devolution. So some powers were repatriated to Scotland. It's a bit like the system in the USA where each state has its own powers, okay? Quite apart from the federal power. Um, and because a, this was being set up, because a new parliament was being set up, someone said we ought to have a think tank so we can think about the ideas for this new Scotland primarily in economics, in business, in healthcare and education. Um, and I was recruited, I was headhunted out of London to go and be a director of that think tank. 
Brilliant. It lasted a few years and it coincided with my traveling. And I ended up doing more or less the same in a little place called Santa Fe in New Mexico mm -hmm. in about 2002, 2003. But the idea, just in case you wonder, a think tank is basically a place where you do blue sky thinking. You have the luxury, the luxury of being able to think as widely, as deeply as possible, okay? About the big issues of the day. Now I'm curious, in these think tanks, and this is about, you know, the show's about awakening the possibilities. One of the things that I talk about is more businesses are sunk because they don't see what's underneath the iceberg. You know, they only see the top of the iceberg. Uh, the bottom part of the iceberg is basically, you know, from the neck down. Okay, it's, it's our consciousness, it's our uh, energy. We don't listen to our bodies, the aches and the pains that are going on. We're all, you know, we're from here up. This is what's seen above the water. Um, this is the practical, tactical, and logical stuff. So in these think tanks, do they include the bottom part of the iceberg or is it just from the head up? I'll give an example. I mean, the answer is yes, <laughs> I'll give an example. So at that time, <clears throat> One of the buzz, buzzwords, which was fairly fresh at the time, 20 years ago, was sustainable development or sustainable economic growth. Okay? okay. Um, and to be fair, you know, businesses tried to move in that direction. They set up something called corporate social responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think in the USA it's called business and social responsibility. It's the same idea, okay? okay. Uh, however, however, it was no surprise that in many cases it ended up as a, a box ticking exercise. Uh, okay? okay. So, have you planted trees? Do you recycle your waste? This kind of thing, mm -hmm. right? Which is fair enough. There's nothing wrong with that. And anything is better than nothing. Uh, but, as you implied a moment ago, uh, they tended to ignore the big things, the, the, the huge, deep things, okay, that were really causing the problems, like their private jets, like the fact that they paid themselves 300 times more than their lowest paid employees, okay? Mm -hmm. I mean, things like that. In fact, I would say, Terry, that there were some taboo subjects, off-limits subjects, that simply couldn't be discussed. One was called campaign finance. I, I know it's called campaign finance in the States. In other countries, it's called bribery, okay? Um, <laughs> okay. Was, no, serious, seriously, seriously. Another to, uh, taboo topic in this context was tax avoidance, okay? how to pay as little tax as possible, which was strange, which was strange because the very same companies they thought of themselves as good corporate citizens, okay? And yet, you and I both know that the good citizen pays their fair share and yeah. contributes to society. And yet these good corporate citizens, in quotation marks, were doing their best to avoid paying their fair share. So there was a lot of contradictions going on. But yes, to summarize what you've uh, prompted me to respond to. I mean, a lot of stuff 
beneath the surface of the iceberg was simply not being addressed. And to some extent, that's still true. Yeah, I was just going to say, that was my next question. Um, do you think it's still true? And you just confirmed that. And, and I do believe it's true. I think sometimes um, we want to do the right thing, yet other things get in the way of our doing the right thing. And it can truly um, compromise where it is we want to go. Uh, and it makes me sad because when it comes to integrity and authenticity, it's really important that we take care of the people who are in our world, both in our business and our lives. And oftentimes, all the things you talk about, that's not what they're doing. Um, and it makes me sad because to me, that's not good leadership. That's poor leadership. So let's get back to leadership for a moment and awakening the possibilities. You've done an awful lot. I know you're going to be doing, I'm very excited to announce, I'm going to announce it on the video, that Chris is one of my faculty members for our Intuitive Leadership University, which we'll be launching this spring, and it's very exciting. He's going to be participating in the Leadership Wisdom School. And for those of you who aren't sure of what that is all about, uh, we are opening the Intuitive Leadership University, and it's going to have three different schools, the Leadership Wisdom School, the Business Wisdom School, and the Life Wisdom School. And Chris will be doing some courses in the Leadership Wisdom School. So I'm very, very excited about that. So Chris, as you look at leadership in the world and awakening of possibilities and the courses that you're going to be delivering through the university, can you tell us what the bottom line core is to you? in leadership, in connection with the cosmos, in connection with business, in connection with humanity, and what we leaders need to truly be looking at to be able to influence the world, to influence, and I don't like to say the world, we influence the people who are part of, who cross our path. How, how do we do that? What is it? What, you know, what is that golden nugget that awakens the possibilities? Okay, I'll have to summarize. Uh, I th two things, okay, two things spring to mind. Um, I'm very interested, influenced by the Tao Te Ching. By the by The Tao Te Ching, by Taoism. Okay, okay? got it. Um, and th there's even a book called The Tao of Leadership. You, you can buy a book called The Tao of Leadership. I think the um, author is John Hyder or something like that. Um, I mention that because a Taoist leader leads from both the front and the back. So it's a kind of paradox, okay? He or she leads from the front in the sense that he leads by example. So a Taoist leader does not expect people to do things that he does not do. So he, he takes the first steps, okay? So if, for example, he wants to the company to change its environmental policy, he'll be the first to start practicing that in his own life. So leading from the front or leading by example, okay? Leading from the front. Look at me. Uh, look at what I do, not at what I say. That, that, that's a phrase that mm -hmm. that kind of leader would, 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 would use. But also leading from the back. This sounds strange to say, doesn't it? It sounds like a contradiction. But when I say leading from the back, I don't mean pushing people from the back, okay? Um, what, what I mean is a kind of invisible leadership um, where you act as a catalyst 
you know, where, where, where your presence automatically stimulates people uh, to behave well. Your presence brings out the best in people. That's what I mean, okay? So it's a strange combination. You can try and imagine this strange combination of leading from the front, leading by example, and leading quietly, almost invisibly, from the back, okay? So that, so that your presence is almost enough to stimulate people to do their best. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to convey. So, uh, uh, and, and that's the, I would say the, the main um, image I have of a good leader, someone that's able to lead from the front and from the back at the same time. One of the uh, phrases that I use commonly when describing the university is we teach leaders how to integrate the practical, tactical, and logical with the emotional, the energetic, the spiritual, and the intuitive. Do you, that definitely fits with that phrase, does it not? Well, by coincidence, I've been asked to write a short book, an e-book by someone you may know, Stephen Hobbs, okay? Um, and, <laughs> anyway, Steve, Stephen talked me into writing a fairly short book, which is effectively a concise version of the book I wrote five years ago on intelligence, okay? Right. And a, that's relevant to what you just said, because one of the main themes of this short book is that intelligence is about the whole of it's about all aspects of the human being, not just, not just the mind, not just the emotion, not just the intuition, not just the physical body, not just the spiritual aspect, okay? It's about all of these aspects. All of it. All of it. And so, that's why you and Stephen are part of the faculty. <laughs> so, I mean, it's strange, isn't it? I'm, I'm just about to finish that book. It's very short, but, and... Okay. But you reminded me that one of the main themes is to be able to work on the whole of ourselves uh, rather than just on parts of ourselves, okay? Exactly. And that's what this university is all about. So having you as a faculty member is absolutely heartwarming and having Dr. Hobbs as a, also as a faculty member, I mean, it, it, it's, that's what this is about. It's leadership. Uh, the cutting, as far as I'm concerned, it's the cutting edge of leadership. It's really creating leaders that are completely, um, that, that get it, that it's, it's whole leadership. It's not just what's up here. And it's really important that we do that in this day and age, that we use all of our gifts, all of our senses, all of our tools, everything that we have at our disposal to be able to influence upcoming generations to be the best that they can be because the world is changing and we need to provide the, um, the army perhaps to be able to lead in ways that we can really really make a positive difference in the world well Chris I just want to thank you so much for being here today because every time I talk with you it just gets better and better and better and I get more and more excited about having you on board and um, can uh, I didn't share with folks that a I'm in Coral Gables Florida you can tell from the uh, foliage in the back I'm in my Coral Gables office and Chris you're in Spain is it correct? Are you in Spain right now? 
I'm in name? I'm in the northern northeastern part of Spain called Catalonia. Catalonia, okay. Catalonia, um, and the capital, as you may know, is Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And I'm in the park right up in the north, right up in okay. the mountain, the Pyrenees, right next to the French border. And hold on, Chris, that's, uh, just as you're talking, an airplane decided to go over. <laughs> hold on a second. <laughs> Hello, helicopter. Helicopter. Um, there we go. Okay. And I, you know, it's a catch-22 when you come out here, and uh, I, I love being out here on uh, on the patio with all of the greenery behind us. I kept putting my, my green screen up, and it kept falling. So that, to me, was a signal from the universe, get yourself outside in the fresh air and do this wonderful interview with Chris outside. So you have to put up with things like helicopters going overhead. <laughs> so, um, so where were we when, I, uh, when the helicopter decided to distract us? You were, we were talking about um, the importance of the whole person being whole okay. Okay. and bringing the whole of yourself to, to your life and, and your work. And, and, and I was thinking, we need a word for that. There used to be terms in the past, like Renaissance man mm. or the chivalrous knight. Okay? And, and, and these were terms that describe someone who was well-rounded. They were a well-rounded human being. So they, they, they were physically competent, they were mentally competent, they were emotionally intelligent, they were spiritually advanced, they, they were kind, courteous. They were also artistic because these same people, these warriors, um, were expected to write poetry and even music. So, I mean, you rarely find that these days. We seem to well, live in a, an era of specialization. I often look at animals for sources of inspiration. And to describe the animal that comes to me that um, fits what you're talking about is the unicorn. It's a, um, and here's why. And actually, the logo for the program is the unicorn. So you naturally brought me here. And here's the reason why. First of all, they're a very mystical, magical animal. And this unicorn is a winged unicorn. So if you look at the logo, it's a winged unicorn. And why a winged unicorn? Because when a unicorn has four hoofs on the ground, it is very grounded and it can see what is happening at eye level. It can see all around it. When it flies up in the air, it can see things from 30,000 feet above. So it has the perspective of being able to see at ground level, see up above, and with that fantastic unicorn being part, uh, the horn itself, being part of the, um, using it as a gift, it's got a mystical quality that allows what, um, uh, what does he, um, I forget what the name of the author is, he wrote the book, The Corporate Mystic. Um, Oh gosh, his name is right here. And actually, his book is what influenced me to open my leadership center in 2001, uh, from 2001 to 2009. It, there's this mystical quality, and, and indeed, you do become the mystic. And I call them the integrated unicorns because they can really fit. It fits everything that you're talking about. Does that land? It's lovely. Um, I, I, I like the Tibetan idea, which I don't know where I heard it, but I think it's Tibetan. They believe very much in having their heads in the clouds, 
-hmm. but their feet deep in the mud. Mm -hmm. okay, same so, same they, so they're fully grounded and fully in the heavens at the same time. Absolutely. And so many of our, one of the things I find with a lot of spiritual teachers who come to me, their heads are in the clouds, but their feet are also up there with them. <laughs> so I need to bring them Very down. true. And the thing is, they don't want to bring their feet down. No. Because when we, when we bring their feet down, they end up having to really feel, see, do, and realize that they are human. And they need to look at, they don't need to do anything. But it's about feeling in a very different way. And that groundedness can be very uncomfortable for them. On the other hand, we have people who are very practical, tactical, and logical that are grounded, but are very um, concerned and tend to poo-poo going up into the spiritual realms and understand that, that is as important as the practical, tactical, and logical. Is that, do you see that? It's very interesting, Terry, because just recently I've started doing Qigong again. Um, there's a local teacher not far from where I live. And the other day he showed us an exercise which is designed to do exactly that. So the purpose of the exercise is to be very, very grounded and very much in the heavens at the same time. It's a wonderful feeling, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Uh, when you're that present, because you truly are present. You, you feel the clothes on your back. You, you feel the jewelry on your body. You, you see very, very clearly. You see the colors differently. You are so integrated when you do that. And it's a, and it's a powerful leader who can really influence and lead people to where they want to be because they see things that others don't. So again, Chris, I want to thank you so very much for being here with us today. And are there any parting words that you would like to share with the Awaken the Possibilities audience? It's just nice to see the green leaves of Florida behind you. I'm sitting here with heavy snow outside. Well, I will be in the cold by Friday. <laughs> so I am enjoying it and appreciating it. And believe it or not, it has been a bit cool here. And it was, it's really, uh, if you're into people watching, it is quite comical when it's uh, in the low 60s here, uh, watching people walking down the street with their faces covered because the wind is cold. So it's all perspective. <laughs> so thank you again, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. You brought a lot of insight into uh, and being an integrated leader, working with the cosmos and understanding how all of it fits in our world. So thank you to our audience who is listening today, and we look forward to seeing you again next time. This is Terry Wilderman of Intuitive Leadership. You can go to intuitiveleadership.com and find out all, of our, all about our university and upcoming events. And Chris, how can our audience find you? Well, they can find me um, at Chris, um, what's it called? Chris Thompson.blog. Chris Thompson. And how do you spell Thompson? Without a P. So T H O M S O M. I'm glad I asked. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, and have an amazing, amazing week. See you next time.